Let's turn to God's holy word. Page 312 in your pew Bibles. Page 312, 2 Samuel 14. We're at a terrible page in our family album congregation, the family album of the people of God, which includes Amnon, the oldest son of David, Amnon's rape of his sister Tamar, half-sister, sister of Absalom. And Absalom, in his righteous anger, does not deal with things well, and in a calculating way, he takes two years, but then he kills Amnon because he violated his sister Tamar. And then as soon as he kills her, kills him, murders his brother Amnon, he has to flee or the law will go after him. David will go after him. So he flees to Jeshur, the territory where his mom came from in uh, north of Israel in Syria. So that's where he is in exile at this time. And you read in the last verse of 2 Samuel 13, the spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom because he was comforted about Amnon since he was dead. Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, knew that the king's heart went out to Absalom. And Joab sent to Tekoa and brought from there a wise woman and said to her, pretend to be a mourner and put on mourning garments and do not anoint yourself with oil but behave like a woman who's been mourning many days for the dead. Go to the king and speak thus to him. So Joab put words in her mouth. When the woman of Tekoa came to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and paid homage and said, save me, O king. And the king said to her, what is your trouble? She answered, Alas, I'm a widow. My husband's dead, and your servant had two sons, and they quarreled with one another in the field, and there was no one to separate them, and one struck the other and killed him, and now the whole clan has risen against your servant. And they say, Give up the man who struck his brother, that we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed. And so they would destroy the heir also, and thus they would quench my coal that is left and leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on the face of the earth. Then the king said to the woman, go to your house and I will give orders concerning you. And the woman of Tekoa said to the king, on me be the guilt, my lord the king, and on my father's house. Let the king and his throne be guiltless. The king said, if anyone says anything to you, bring him to me and he shall never touch you again. Then she said, please let the king Invoke the Lord your God, that the avenger of blood kill no more, and my son not be destroyed. He said, as the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Then the woman said, please let your servant speak a word to my Lord the king. He said, speak. And the woman said, why have you planned such a thing against the people of God? For in giving this decision, the king convicts himself. Inasmuch as the king does not bring his banished one home again, we must all die. We're like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God will not take away life, and he devises means so that the banished one will not remain an outcast. Now I have come to say this to my Lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid, and your servant thought, I will speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his servant. For the king will hear and deliver his servant from the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together with the heritage of God. And your servant thought, 
the word of my Lord the King will set me at rest. For my Lord the King is like the angel of God to discern good and evil. The Lord your God will be with you. Then the king answered the woman, do not hide from me anything I ask you. The woman said, let my Lord the King speak. The king said, is the hand of Joab with you in all this? The woman answered and said, as surely as you live, my Lord the King, no one One cannot turn to the right hand or the left from anything that my Lord the King has said. It was your servant Joab who commanded me. It was he who put all these words in the mouth of your servant in order to change the course of things. Your servant Joab did this. But my Lord has wisdom like the wisdom of the angel of God to know all things that are on the earth. Then the king said to Joab, behold now I grant this. Go bring the young man Absalom. And Joab fell on his face to the ground and paid homage and blessed the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I found favor in your sight, my lord the king, and that the king has granted the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Jeshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him dwell apart in his own house. He is not to come into my presence. So Absalom lived apart in his own house and did not come into the king's presence. Now in all Israel, there was no one so much to be praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair of his head, for at the end of every year he used to cut it, when it was heavy on him, he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head, 200 shekels by the king's weight. There were born to Absalom three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a beautiful woman. So Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence. Then Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but Joab would not come to him. And he sent a second time, but Joab would not come. Then he said to his servants, see, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and went to Absalom at his house and said to him, why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom answered Job, Joab, because I sent word to you, come here that I may send you to the king to ask, why have I come down here from Jeshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now, therefore, let me go into the presence of the king, and if there's guilt in me, let him put me to death. Then Joab went to the king and told him, and he summoned Absalom. So Absalom came to the king and bowed himself on, on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. This is God's word. May he bless it to our hearts and lives and instruct us in his good way. The story of Absalom, brothers and sisters, is a very long story in the Bible. Nine chapters, or seven chapters from 2 Samuel 13 to 19. And when something's that long, it's obviously very important. It's, it's a succession narrative. Who is going to take over David's throne? He's getting older. He's nearing the end of his reign. And it's really a story in three parts. This chapter is his return. The next chapter is his rise in Israel. And the ones after that, his revolt. His coup against his dad, David, and taking over the throne. This moment leads to so much trouble in the kingdom because they let a bad man in. They let a bad man in. Absalom is not a good guy. 
He's a thief. And if you look to the next chapter, 15 verse 6, you see why he's a thief. That he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. He stole their hearts, their allegiance, away from David. And Jesus said in John 10, if you're a shepherd that comes in through the gate, you're a good shepherd. But if you come into the flock a different way, you're a thief and a robber. You want to steal the church from God, from Christ. That's Absalom. He's a thief. And as we see this thief and his ugliness, God is calling us to put our gaze upon the true shepherd, Jesus Christ, and see his glory. And to give thanks that he's given us Jesus, not Absalom, to be our king. And he's calling us to run to Jesus to be our leader and shepherd and to shape our lives in the image of Jesus. We want to be like Jesus, not Absalom, right? So we see here the handsome prince that steals your heart. First, his devious return. And then secondly, his defiant vanity. His devious return. I don't like to do this, but there are some translation questions right at the end of chapter 13 and the beginning of 14. So if you just look there for a moment, 1339. So Absalom's mourning for Amnon, his oldest, and Absalom's fled to Jeshur in exile. And then it says, and the spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom because he was comforted about Amnon since he was dead. The word longed is better translated, and and in some of the notes in your Bible, better translated, ceased, stopped. The spirit of the king stopped to go after Absalom. He he, he gave up wanting to kill him. He, He put that on the back burner, his anger cooled down because he was comforted about Amnon since he was dead. And then verse 1. Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, knew that the king's heart went out to Absalom. The, the verb went out is not the, in there in the Hebrew. And if you use the New King James, you'll notice it's in italics. So it actually goes like this. Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, knew that the king's heart to Absalom. Or against Absalom. So the question is, does David want Absalom back or not? Is he longing to have him back or not? Well, from the parable that the wise woman from Tekoa said, the point is obvious, he doesn't want him back. And so Joab is devising a devious method of manipulation to get him back. His heart is against Absalom. But Joab, three people want him back. Joab wants him back. Because now that Amnon's dead, it seems like Absalom's the crown prince. I know there's a third, there's a, there's a middle son there, Kiliab, but we don't read of him anywhere. So apparently he's not in the running for the throne. But Absalom's the third one. He's the crown prince. He's the darling. And Joab thinks... I. My job is to get things ready. He's, he's not asking, what's the will of the Lord? Who does the Lord want to be on the throne next? 
So Joab wants him back. And he's scheming his own version of succession planning. Secondly, the people want Absalom back. Look at what the wise woman says in verse 14. Why have you planned such a thing against the people of God? They love Absalom. And I get why. Because when Amnon violated his sister, Absalom's sister Tamar, the king was angry, but did nothing. And the only one who did anything about it was Absalom, who defended her, took her into his home, and took care of her. So I like him. I admire him for that. But there's a problem. His righteous anger settles into a calculated, cold-hearted, callous, despising of his dad, David, and a selfish ambition to sneak his way back in and take the throne. That's where the narrative is going. That's what, how you have to see this guy. But the people love him, and they want him back, and we're going to see in the next chapter how much they love him. And thirdly, Absalom himself wants to come back. He has ambitions for the throne and he's going to pursue these ambitions in four steps. First, get back into the country. Second, get into David's court. Those two things happen in chapter 14. Third, get into the people's hearts and then fourthly, get onto the throne. He has ambition, but they're not good and godly ambitions. He's still in exile for murdering his brother in cold-blooded premeditation. So his uncle Joab sets up a devious plan to bring his nephew Absalom back. We shouldn't be surprised if the two actually have been in communication all along and Absalom is in on this plan. We're not told that, but it's clearly in line with his own ambitions as you read on in the narrative. So Joab finds a wise woman, wise woman. She's a shyster too. And he tells her to dress up, gives her a story, and her job is to set a trap for King David. Set a trap. So here's her story, her sob story. I'm a widow with two sons. And the one son murdered the other in a fit of passion while they were working in the field. And now the rest of my husband's family, likely the husband's family because that land belongs to his family name. They want me to make sure that the the remaining son, my remaining Cole, gets justice because he's a murderer and he should die. So then I'll be left with nobody. And then they're going to come and take my land and I'll be devastated. Please intervene, O king. Well, David's heart just goes out to her in mercy like it should. This is not premeditated murder. There are special provisions for crimes of passion in the Old Testament. Go home, he says. I'll give orders that Your son be rescued from the hands of those who want him dead. And if anyone tries to raise anything against you, I'll protect you. 
Then she adds, but will you swear this in the name of God? And so he swears, as the Lord lives, not one hair of your son will fall to the ground. Now the trap is set fully. And she says, oh, by the way, if you would rescue my son who murdered his brother, why won't you rescue your own son who murdered his brother and let him back into the country? She says the king convicts himself. Verse 13. Your own words condemn you. Even though the situations are very different, her parable and Absalom's situation, there's an appearance of wisdom here. There's so much here is about outward appearance. And then she goes back to her own story as if, oh, this is just an aside. I didn't really come here for that. Very tricky, very devious. But David steps into the trap. He lets himself get carried away by emotion, not biblical truth, and he brings Absalom back. But only halfway, sort of. He can't come into my court. He can't see my face. Because he knows that's not just. He knows this guy shouldn't be back in the land, but it's weak leadership on David's part. So here he lives in, his, in Jerusalem, but he can't come into David's home. He has to live his own separate home. He has to live apart. You're not getting close to me. Well, what's the problem, brothers and sisters? This is the prodigal son returning home without repentance. This is the prodigal son trying to worm his way back into his father's house without repenting of his sin. And so David is inviting big trouble into the kingdom by bringing back this wicked man whose heart is not right with God. He's not of Christ. Whose heart is full of himself, selfish ambition, seeking his own glory, not God's kingdom. That's what he's about. He wants to return, says one author, without repentance. And he wants restoration without reconciliation. That's human wisdom. Let's just sort of smooth things over. And then Absalom keeps pushing and pushing and pushing his personal agenda. And he even burns Joab's barley in order to get access to the king. And finally, the king, David, lets him in. And at the end of the chapter, he's kissing his son. This is the kiss of death, chapter 15. We'll prove it, and 16, and 17, and 18, and 19. This is the kiss of death. He's stealing his way into the flock of God to set himself up as a shepherd, but he's a false shepherd. He's a thief. This is not of God. Beloved, we need to know there's mercy in God for every prodigal, every sinner, everyone who's living in sin, 
And if you're not right with God, and you're living the lie, and you're a murderer, or a slanderer, or a blasphemer, or a hater, you're a fake. And you're living for yourself. And in the pride of your own self-love, and you repent, and you go back home to your heavenly Father and say, forgive me, Lord, I've wasted your gifts, I've wasted my life on me. Take me home, forgive me. You may be sure that all your sins are taken care of in the blood of his Son. The access to the kingdom is through repentance by faith in Jesus Christ. And then God takes you in his home, not as a second-class citizen, but as a first-class citizen, and he heaps on you all his riches in Jesus Christ's son. You can be sure of that. But the Absalom trap is the opposite. I get to stay in my pride, stay in my sin, Stay full of myself. And because I'm so handsome and such a nice guy, I can still have access to the kingdom. I can still be a part. It's a lie. And we need to know that apart from Jesus Christ, we have no right to God, no right to his throne. He doesn't hear our prayers. No right to the kingdom. And that's where Absalom is. He came home, but it wasn't right. And he hates the king. He hates David, but that really means he hates the Christ. He's angry with David. And and again, get that. Christ has no weaknesses, but David did. So there's, there's many reasons to allow yourself to allow anger to turn into bitterness. And and that's what's happening with with Absalom. And he just has this sinister, evil, dark heart toward the king. And he's going for the jugular in a very conniving, calculating way. He's smart. Absalom's smart. He's wicked, but he's smart. And he's charming. Good as he looks, though, on the outside. He's ugly. And David is inviting trouble into the church of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a reminder to us that the kingdom of God is not for ours to take by ourselves, to ourselves in devious ways, by pretending. To try to sneak our way in without repentance, without faith in Jesus Christ, without laying yourself at the foot of the cross. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, unless you convert and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, let's see, secondly, his defiant vanity. Now that Absalom's back, he continues to show that he doesn't have one ounce of true piety and humility or faith. 
There's just nothing of Jesus in him. Nothing. He's a man of selfish ambition and will watch him try to steal the kingdom of God. And the Bible itself clearly tips us off that this man's heart is not right. That he's a false shepherd. He's a thief and an intruder in the church. If you go to verse 25 and 26, the attention paid to his hair is the tip-off. Now, do you remember what killed him in the end, right? What killed, what killed Absalom in the end, do you remember? His hair. His hair. Look at verse 25. Now in all Israel, there was no one so much to be praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish. This is the guy you want to date and marry. The sole of his foot to the crown of his head. There was no blemish in him. And when he cut his hair, the hair of his head, for at the end of every year he used to cut it when it was heavy on him, he cut it. He weighed the hair of his head 200 shekels by the king's weight. Vanity. It's like it's this big ceremony. The whole nation needs to know it's Absalom's haircutting day. And he goes to the, the hairstylist, the hair artist, somebody very special, who cuts his hair and puts the beautiful locks on a scale. Could you weigh that, please? It's three pounds. The weight here is between three and five pounds. That's a lot of hair. And then we put it in the paper so the whole nation knows Absalom's beauty. So much focus on himself, on his external beauty. And that's where he seeks his power and his credibility in his looks. That's how we know things are very, very wrong. Imagine that getting your hair cut once in a year in a major ceremony and asking the hairdresser, put your beautiful locks on the scale. It's unvarnished, pure, plain vanity. One author writes, here is Mr. Israel, the darling of the media, the choice of the photographers, enchanted with his own locks, with three sons and a beautiful daughter named after her gorgeous Aunt Tamar. How can you resist that? Like, this is the man to be our leader, for sure. He is a great guy. All charisma, no character. Matthew Henry says, nothing is mentioned about Absalom's faith and godliness. He was a man whose persona was based on external appearances alone, not on spiritual reality. And the attention he paid to himself is legendary. This man is completely self-absorbed. And we read in chapter 18, he had built a monument to himself, and he called it Absalom's Monument. Like he is so full of himself. And you remember how David was chosen and Samuel is going through with sons of Jesse and God says to him, 
The Lord does not look as man looks. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And that's how he looks at us. You may be handsome, and that's fine. David it's, says of David in 1 Samuel that his eyes were beautiful, and he was handsome in appearance. You may be dressed well. You may have your family all looking very nice, sitting in a row with you. And it can all look so good. And your business going well. And people look up to you. But God doesn't look at that stuff. He knows the real me. And he knows the real you. Who am I? Who are you? Who are you? Am I a weak man like David, but I live in repentance and faith? I'm a man after God's own heart. Or am I fraud, a pretender, a faker? Not walking with God, but trying to make it appear to others that I am. I'm so thankful for God giving us the true handsome prince, his son, Jesus Christ. With you, I am well pleased. He is so beautiful. And it's interesting, the Bible pays no attention to his outward appearance other than that he had no outward beauty that should attract us to him. And that when he was suffering, he was marred beyond recognition. Isaiah 52 and 53. But other than that, it pays attention to his godliness, his truth. When he spoke, he spoke with authority. Not because of the sound of his voice, but because he spoke from God. His humility his love. He gave his life for the sheep. He was not in it for himself. He gave himself up. Just a few conclusions. Number one, don't let anybody steal your heart or your affections or your loyalty based on their charm or their looks or their wit or their humor. Women, don't choose a man based on his outward appearance and charm and wit and muscular build and muscular truck. I know it's dumb, but we do it. And men, don't choose a woman based on her outward beauty and physical charm and smooth words. We'll always fail. We're courting disaster. Seek someone who's of Christ. Repentant of sin, lays herself, lays himself at the foot of the cross, covered in the blood of Jesus, filled with the spirit of Jesus, and is growing in grace, growing in godliness, growing in the fruit of the spirit. And when you're looking for a friend, don't seek, don't seek one out who likes to hang out at the fringes of sin. But, but get a friend who will help you look to Jesus. Help you fight temptation. Help you walk with God. And second, 
When we look at the qualifications for leaders in the church, we can be so thankful that hair is not part of it. Isn't that wonderful? Hair is not part of it. Looks and personality, not even talents, are part of the list. It's godliness, Christ-likeness. Men who have come to the cross as sinners and they live there and they receive forgiveness and freedom in Christ, but they also are filled with the Holy Spirit and are growing in grace and helping others do so. It's a call to boys. Absalom is a negative call to boys. Don't look for your strength and greatness in your muscle, your outward looks, in your possessions, in your popularity. That's a fraud. If you build yourself, your persona on that, you're building on sinking sand. But at a young age, be looking to Christ. You want character, not charisma. You want integrity. You want sound doctrine. You want Christian piety. You want Jesus. And then the third thing, I have a fourth, but we'll wait with that, Lord willing, till next week. But Jesus, the third thing, Jesus is the opposite of Absalom. He may well have been a handsome man, but the Bible gives no attention to his outward looks. But to his godliness, his truthfulness, his closeness to God. His life was beautiful. His works were beautiful. His doctrine was beautiful. His love was beautiful. And we're being called in this passage not to go for the fraud, the pretender, but for the Christ. To look to him who is the measure of a true man and a true woman. Because he's the one who gave his life for you to build you up. And make you strong. Let's go to him. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. It's a horrible. Chapter and series of chapters. And this is just the beginning. Worse is coming. But we thank you for it. Thank you for this reminder of where true strength is found and true beauty. Well, help us to see through this facade, this veneer, this emptiness, to see that there's nothing here for us. Nothing where Absalom found his strength. There's nothing there for us. But it's all found in your son, Jesus Christ, the son of David. So keep leading us to him so that we may grow as men and women of God and be shaped into the image of our 
loving, humble, beautiful, powerful Savior. Amen.